Hello, and welcome to Landcast with John Williams. Thanks for tuning in today. Our topic of conversation today is going to be America's public lands. This is an issue we've seen all over the news recently, with news articles covering many aspects of the current public land debate, discussing everything from rolling back protection on barriers and the role of the federal government in public lands, to all kinds of other issues, both ecological, political, and cultural. So the first thing I want to focus on today is the government's role in protecting America's public lands. So during today's landcast, we're going to be examining this entire debate and examining the value of this public lands in all kinds of ways. So before we get started, let's review the background of these public lands. Public land is land that's owned by a government, whether it's local, state, or federal, as opposed to being land that's owned by a private citizen or a non-government organization. For example, if you come from the Worcester, Massachusetts area, you might be familiar with the Mass Auburn Park System. These are privately owned parks versus, say, the White Mountains, which are owned by the federal and state government, both the U.S. and New Hampshire. So as you can probably guess, these kind of lands come in many different types and are managed by all kinds of different agencies. So it's important to narrow down what we're talking about. So today we're going to be focusing mostly on federal lands and lands that are managed by either the National Park Service, National Forest Service, or the Bureau of Land Management. So examples of this would be White Mountain National Forest in New Hampshire, Yosemite National Park, and BLM land can range all over the country, but is primarily concentrated in the West. Now, one really cool fact I want to talk about is that most Americans actually live within an hour of public land. It makes up nearly 25% of the United States land mass. So this is a lot of land we're talking about here. Generally speaking, land managed by the National Park Service, known as National Parks, is closed to nearly all resource extraction, while land managed by the National Forest Service, known as National Forest, is open to limited resource extraction, and land managed by the Bureau of Land Management is open to most kinds of recreation and often different varieties of resource extraction. And just to be clear before I continue, resource extraction is used to mean any kind of activity that removes natural resources from the land, either responsibly or otherwise. So examples could be logging, mining, oil drilling, even livestock grazing. Now, like I said, these lands are only a small sample of the agencies and types of land management that are out there, but, but by focusing on these, we can spend less time talking about government bureaucracy and more time talking about the issues. So what are the issues? Unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard that President Donald Trump, along with Secretary of the Interior Ryan Zinke, have been crafting policy that's had some serious effect on public lands. The aspect of this that has been getting the most news is the debate around public land in a place called Barry's Ears. Once again, if you've picked up a newspaper, used the internet, watched news, or even bought several brands of clothing recently, you've probably at least heard of Bears Ears. But what is Bears Ears? Bears Ears is a, Bears Ears is a large swath of public land in Utah. It was previously protected federal land under President Obama, who used the Antiquities Act, which lets presidents protect land of, quote, historic or scientific interest, end quote. Now, this land is very, extreme, is very important to five separate Native American tribes. Additionally, it's extremely well-known in various outdoor recreation circles, as Bears Ears hosts some of the best hiking, backpacking, and rock climbing in the West United States. But now, President Trump is attempting to reduce its size by nearly 85%, along with another nearby monument, Grand Staircase, created by Bill Clinton. In addition to its tribal value in the use of land for recreation, Bears Ears contains an enormous amount of archaeological resources, as well as beautiful natural landscapes that are unlike anywhere in the world. Its unique high desert atmosphere, beautiful mesas, red sandstone, windswept plateaus are extremely difficult to find even in other deserts in the western U.S. 
President Trump claims that this is a, an example of federal overreach and that by reducing the federal control of the land and giving it back to the state, he's ensuring that the land can be better protected by people who live near the land as opposed to thousands of miles away in Washington. Now, this sounds great on paper, but a scary statistic is that 70% of land that is transferred from federal to state control is sold off to private interests, and this reduces access, especially in Utah, which is historically one of the most anti-public land states in the country. He also claimed that he was giving the Native American population a bigger voice and that they were being overruled by the federal government before he came in. However, many Native Americans didn't feel this way. After the announcement to reduce the land, various tribal leaders were cited as saying things like, this move has no respect for Native tribes, for Native people across the country, and what happened today is a slap in the face. So with that said, many people believe that he didn't roll back these federal protections to ensure the land is better protected, but rather quite the opposite, to open it up for far more intensive resource extraction. Before the announcement the monument was going to be reduced, there was very heavy lobbying, both locally and in D.C., to open the land up to extremely toxic and dangerous uranium mining. To further add to this, the new boundaries have largely been drawn around one of these uranium deposits themselves. Canadian company Energy Fuels Resources lobbied heavily for the area to be open to mine for uranium. They pressured local politicians, hired lobbyists, and emailed Senator Hatch, one of the senators from Utah and a very vocal opponent of federal lands, the land they wanted to remove from the monument. The redrawn monument boundaries bear a striking resemblance to the exact maps this company emailed to Hatch to highlight the locations of deposits. It's also worth noting that due to the remote and rugged nature of Bears Ears, resource extraction would actually cost more than it's worth. Falling global oil prices, as well as a reduced appetite for uranium, means that the high cost of extracting these resources and transporting them to market would actually cost more these minerals would sell for. So why do this? Some people speculate that the company plans to extract the resources and wait for the value to rise, or the, buy the land at ultra-cheap prices and then resell it at a far high prior, high, higher price later. Needless to say, these various kinds of resource extraction are terrible for the local environment, often reduce access for many of the locals. Now, I know so far we've covered a lot of gloom and doom topics, but I want to end on a positive note. Now, it's easy when most of the news coverage around a topic is negative to think that it's out of your control, especially if you don't live in Washington and you're a, quote, regular American. But the truth is, with this issue, being a regular American gives you a lot of power. Why? Because these public lands belong to regular Americans like you and me. These lands are your lands, and therefore you have a say in what happens to them, even if certain government officials don't want you to. So what do you do? How can you make a difference? First off, write your representatives. This might seem old-fashioned and you might not think it would make a difference, but you'd be surprised. In my personal experience, nearly every time I've written my congressmen and senators, I've gotten a personal response. Use Google to find out who your representatives are, then navigate to their websites to find out how to best contact them. Some people get, take calls at all times. Some people prefer emails. Some senators don't have a special service set up for their constituents to contact them. Additionally, Several prominent outdoors companies have started lawsuits to protect Bears Ears. For one example, Patagonia. By supporting these companies, you can vote with your wallet to help finance what will probably be a long legal battle that will hopefully end by saving this beautiful land. Lastly, and most fun, visit your public lands. Easy Google searches and federal websites like recreation.gov can easily show you where these public lands are. And like I said, most Americans live within an hour of public lands. Whether you live in rural Montana or the heart of New York City, public land's probably closer than you think. So get in the car or the train or the bus and go visit these lands. You can swim, you can boat, you can climb, you can hike, fish. All kinds of amazing opportunities exist and you get to get out and see the beautiful place we live. 
But make sure that when you go, you pay the fee that you need to use them. Whether it's a parking fee, a camping fee, fishing or hunting permits, anything, make sure you pay it. I know it's easy to sneak by and park in a corner or avoid anyone who might be trying to collect the fee. But remember, paying these fees is how you support important services like fire control, trail building, trash service, and latrines. And someone needs to pay them. If us, the users, don't, then the federal government and whatever governments use the land are going to think that the land would be more valuable as an oil deposit or a logging area. So when you get out there and pay the fee, it might seem like a drop in the bucket, but all these things put together, you can help save the land that we all love so much. Thank you for listening to Landcast, and I'll see you next time. 